This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. I have such respect for artists in Canada, people who live with blindness and are doing what they love. Amy Amanti takes a deep dive into the world of art and accessibility. As an artist myself who identifies with having a profound sight loss, I am so keen to explore different art mediums and have discussions with people who are trying to say something with their art. Accessing Art with Amy. New episodes drop every other Thursday. Download this AMI podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Double Tap Canada. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call or text us at 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet at Double Tap Canada. Find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favorite double tappers. <laughs> well, you say that. Uh, hello, yes. Hello, hello, hello. I have to do it properly. Uh, this is Double Tap Canada. Yes, welcome to the show once again. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's great to be with you. Uh, talking tech as always. That's what we do. Uh, and we do it with some weird Scottish music playing behind me. That's how it works around here. Finally, some control in this program. Uh, right, we've got... <laughs> Sean Priest back with us again this week. Hello, Sean. Hello, Stephen. Everything Scottish is weird. We all know that. It's fine. <laughs> we accept it. Well, thanks for writing off an entire country. That's usually my job. Uh, Mark Aflalo is over there. Hello, Mr. Aflalo. Hello. 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 Oh, we get so much to get into this week. We're going to be talking about games. Oh. Really? Yeah, apparently we're talking games this week. Someone, someone thought this was a good idea. Um, and we've got a special guest going to be joining us shortly uh, to talk all about gaming. I am so excited to uh, welcome Steve Saylor to the programme a bit later. Uh, but I know he's in the, the background lurking at the moment. Uh, we're going to get to him in just a second because uh, I want to talk first about something which really has upset me this week, Mark, but also equally uh, made me laugh out loud a lot. Um, can I give some context to this for a second? Just because we have a show document that we share amongst us, and all it says in segment one is choking a penguin. Yes, and it's all your fault. <laughs> I should point this out. This is all your fault. Uh, so, you know, the Double Tap TV promo goes out on AMI-TV, and it advertises all the wonderful stuff we're going to be talking about on the show that week. And, of course, it was all about working from home. And that was the promo that was running. And weirdly, uh, when you put this promo together, because I know you, you're the executive producer on that show. You're the guy that makes mm -hmm. the TV show happen. Uh, I am just the beauty and the talent, the eye face. Candy. <laughs> yeah. The eye candy. That's right. That's <laughs> the guy who makes all the money. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you're the guy that puts it together. And you picked out the most embarrassing <laughs> clip from that episode you could find, which is me squeezing a penguin to death. Uh, now, I should be clear, it wasn't a real penguin. Just, just in case anyone's wondering, no actual penguins were, harmed were killed in the of this show, or yeah. harmed in the making never of this quite episode. Sure. Yeah, yes. well, in fairness, you never know with our programme. Um, but yes, I was choking a penguin on the episode this week. And um, I just I want to say thank you, Mark, for bringing that to everyone's attention. Because it wasn't. I didn't even notice it. It was another one of our team, uh, Andy, who does our social media. And he said, why, why are you choking a penguin? And then you wondered the, uh, what, he, what he was episode. talking about, right? You're I left sure. the call at that point. I, I said, Actually, I had nothing fairness, to do with this. The, the worst thing about it was I knew exactly what you did. <laughs> <That's laughs> right right off the hang bat. On, hang on. Oh, yeah. was, this, was this entire event 
audio described? It was. Yes, well, yes, actually, of course. You know, well, kind of, yes. Yes, AMI, so we do integrated I just want to hear the audio description. <laughs> I'm choking a penguin. Is that good enough yes. for you? Does that uh, help okay. you? No, that's very uh, good. But it's not a real penguin. It's it's one of those stress ball type things, right? So, you know, you get these stress balls over time and you get all kinds of different ones. And for some reason, this made me laugh when I was getting it. I, I was looking for a stress ball and I, I couldn't get one in the shape of Sean Priest's head. So <laughs> instead, uh, because they didn't have that on Amazon at the time, uh, but they did have a penguin. And it, for some reason, it just made me laugh. I bought it and then we talked about it on the show. It's one of those things to have... Um, and we actually had a pretty good show of stuff, didn't we, uh, Mark? There was a lot of good stuff. Oh, on yeah, a lot of, lot of really cool tech in there. A lot serious of cool stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you chose to highlight the penguins. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd call it serious, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I can play the clip for you if you want, Sean, if you want to hear what it's I mean, it, I, I definitely I, do. Okay, here. On the next Double Tap TV, working from home. What things make working from home easier? And what silly items does Stephen have to get through the days? Double Tap Charming. TV, coming up next on See, AMI see the silly TV. item was, was the penguin and him joking. Oh, I, well, yeah. I needed more than that, I'll be honest. It seemed more like murdering a penguin. I'm not going to lie. Like, he really was really, really was getting stressed out. Yeah, I, really, was, I was. That penguin lost all you? facial now, features. Now, in my executive producer defense, Stephen, you provided <laughs> me with that clip. <laughs> like, you gave me that clip for the show. This was This was you describing... You know the various stress items you use in your home, and and uh, you 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 sent it to me. So I did send it to you. And the thing is, I always forget that this goes on television. This, this is the thing. I'm just not into this yet. I still haven't figured it out that this goes into people's homes on TV. I'm still not used to that. <laughs> I part think after of it year yet. five, uh, you should probably get somewhere. <laughs> it'll, it'll click. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be up there at some point. It's when we love penguins, you, by the way. Just to say, oh, I'm, I'm all, I'm, listen, I want to say this. I'm against killing penguins, and I don't care yes. who knows it. No, um, good for you, no, sir. I, I'm absolutely against that. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, anyway, we are going to talk a lot about uh, tech this week. Believe it or not, oh, not just penguins. Uh, yeah, because a bit later, I want to talk about something. I say tech. This is an interesting one. So I signed up this week to Apple One. Now, do you have that in Canada yet? Of course, Mark? of course. We I signed up the, the day it came out. Oh, you're, well, you're, I saved money because it was, I was paying for everything separately, and I was paying probably yeah. twenty dollars more a month than I needed to be. Ooh, which is a no brainer. Well, it is, but I don't know if you... Did you get the month free as well? Um, did I get the month... I don't... Yeah, 30-day... I think it's 30 days mm. trial, or 30 days for free. I'm not sure if it, if you get the month free or if it's just a 30-day trial, but... But well, there. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know, to be honest, but because, you know, we're so rich, we didn't even look at our bank accounts. But no, I um, I did uh, subscribe to it because, again, you save some money. Uh, it rolls a number of services in to one. You get your Apple Music subscription. You get Apple News. You get Apple News Plus, which is the one I'm really interested in. Apple TV, of course. Well, Apple TV Plus, I should say. Uh, Apple Arcade. Yeah. Um, yeah, as we as we get Steve Saylor <laughs> on to talk about games, it's like, yeah, who cares about games? Um, but yeah, uh, we we get that. What else do you get? You get iCloud storage. Yeah. Um, and what I like about this is, and I know you could do this probably before, but this has cemented it, and my, all my family are doing this now, where you can share it with five other people. If you're on the Premier Plan, you can, as obviously I am, uh, recommended, by the way, by Apple. They just know they, they'll get money out of me easily. Well, so they, they, like, yeah, well hang on, but hang on. They recommend it based on what your, your spending pattern what is, you're spending. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's right, and that's that's why I chose the, the Premier. But I love the family part of it. So, you know, five members of your family can get additional access to all of these features. So were you not using family sharing before this? No, no. Only with my wife. We did it. And the only thing I'm not sure about 
is at the moment the way it's set up, my wife buys apps or music or whatever it might be she's using through Apple account. She will buy it and it will pay through my card. She loves that part. Of course. Say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but is that the case now for all my family? Are they all going to be costing me a fortune? Um, so they can link individual credit cards um, so they can charge themselves. And you just have access to anything anybody on your family plan has purchased. Ah, so if you go to download, uh, I don't know, the soundboard app that I have here. And and uh, and your wife has already paid for it and used it. It will say, even though it'll say buy, it'll say this is available to you for free because someone else in your family has it, and somebody else in your family has paid for it, which is great um, because it does open up the world to all the different apps. Um, so so it's it's pretty handy. It's a good tool to have. Yeah, I do, I do like it. I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to getting into it. But later, I want to talk about, in particular, Apple News Plus, because I think this is one of the most exciting features for me uh, that has come along. And again, a feature I wasn't even thinking I would enjoy. And again, uh, I, I was surprised by, which kind of links nicely into what we want to talk about this week on the show. Our big topic this week is gaming, the launch of the new PlayStation 5. Stay right there because we're going to be joined by Steve Saylor, the blind gamer, who joins us next here on Double Tap Canada. We're going to be talking all about gaming, uh, how accessible is the new PlayStation 5 for someone who's blind or partially sighted, and what about those other consoles that are out now from Xbox and other... Uh, I mean, and, and what about the Amazon Echo for gaming? <laughs> I'm really intrigued to know what Steve thinks of that. Uh, yeah, we'll get the blind gamer's view on that next. Double Tap Canada will be back after this. This is Double Tap Canada. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now, back to the show. Yeah, get in touch with the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we're discussing. And, of course, this week it's all about gaming. We're going to be discussing uh, the PlayStation 5, the new Xbox series, consoles. How accessible are they? And you know, what's gameplay like for someone now who's blind or partially sighted? Well, look, the guy who knows the answers to these questions <laughs> is blind gamer Steve Saylor. Hi, Steve. Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey. Is it good we're morning? Good. I honestly, I don't know what time of the day it is anymore. In, 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 the, in the part of the world that really matters the most, it's good morning. Oh, yes, yeah, exactly. Although I was worried that my coffee hadn't kicked in yet because when I, I thought I heard choking a penguin and I wasn't sure what no. you were talking about. And I'm like, why would we, what did why I get would we be into? talking about that? I always tell Stephen, I always tell Stephen, wait, wait till the guest is gone to talk about things that might embarrass you. Um, because all you, all you want is a guest to go, I can't, I can't do this show. They're talking with choking little animals. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. This is why it works. No, I, I, I'm so used to being an embarrassment that uh, it doesn't really make any difference to me anymore. Uh, Steve, it's great to have you on the show with us. Uh, we're going to discuss the subject of gaming. And look, I'm going to put it out there. Um, you're probably getting a lot of questions from Sean and Mark this week because <laughs> I know nothing about these consoles other than the fact that they exist. However, in saying all of that, part of this is driven by the fact that I've never really got into games because A, I've not really got that mindset, I don't think, but also because gaming just seemed out of my reach visually for a lot of these mm -hmm. big games that a lot of people play. I think about Fortnite, I think about Call of Duty. Those games I'd love to play, but I just don't have the vision for it. And I'm feeling with the launch of The Last of Us Part Two. you of course were on the Double Tap TV show recently, and we talked about that, and, and you know that was a huge moment, I know, in your life uh, for you know the fact that this was the first 
accessible, fully accessible game you were able to to play. Um, have things changed? Can I now, as someone who isn't really into games, can I get into that now as a, a VI person? Well, I, there has to be a, a bit of context there because, yes, The Last of Us Part II uh, definitely is something that I would uh, recommend for pretty much a lot of people who are uh, in the spectrum of blindness uh, in that pretty much anybody could be able to play this game and be able to complete it uh, from start to finish. Uh, but we are still kind of at the point where um, it's going to take a few years for other studios to catch up because just The Last of Us Part Two was a very monumental moment in accessibility that essentially kind of warped speed ahead where other studios are at this point. Um, there are other games that basically do have uh, options and settings for uh, blind players that do make it a little bit uh, easier, more comfortable to be able to play. Um, but we're not at the point where basically every game is going to be accessible to the blind. Um, we're, that's going to be at least a little bit of a, years, a few years away. Steve, how important um, or, or how significant is the is the console or the operating system uh, at the end of the day um, in in making a game accessible? You know, we look at you know uh, the iOS platform, for example, or the Mac platform, and they have the tools built in, so it makes it a lot easier for developers to just kind of take advantage of those tools. But on gaming, on the gaming side, there's so many other factors involved. There's there's you know graphics engines. There's so, so, so I'm curious, in that process of making a game accessible, does it require any, you know, buy-in from, you know, the Sonys of the world and the Microsofts of the world? Or is it really up to the game developer to, to make those strides? Yeah, I would say it's still up to the game developer to really want to be able to integrate that because essentially every game is different and every game has its own sort of unique sets of challenges that uh, would need to be addressed by the studio themselves. But what's great about with these new consoles from Xbox and PlayStation is that they've kind of set sort of a cornerstone or at least a foundation for uh, disabled players to, like uh, that will make it a little bit easier for developers to potentially tap into those settings. The problem is that a lot of games generally try to be able to um, use a lot of resources from the console itself. And that was kind of the problem in the previous generation where because they were so resource heavy, they couldn't really tap into anything in the system itself because it just needed as much power as it possibly could with the limitations of the hardware that they had. But with these new consoles, the fact that they are faster, um, they have more processing power, there is potential that it doesn't need, a game doesn't need necessarily to utilize every single bit of resource and they might be able to tap into some of the accessibility options that are built into the system themselves. So you're saying, Steve, that we're sort of at the the beginning of the accessibility wave when it comes to console gaming, do you think? And is it purely because of The Last of Us 2? Or, you know, is there other games that sort of stand out when it comes to accessibility, when it comes to being visually impaired or blind? I would say, yeah, The Last of Us Part Two. What what really kind of did um, was not only be able to move accessibility forward and show what can be done on a AAA level, um, and to kind of put it into context for may, maybe those who don't understand kind of the AAA side of uh, video games. Think of it this Steven. way: The Last of Us Part Two was kind of like the Avengers End Game of the vi of the video game uh, industry, where like it was the most anticipated game on the PlayStation console. And so a lot of people were really interested in that game alone outside of accessibility. But what, yeah. with the fact that it had so many accessibility options that it like they, they were able to basically create a game that was accessible for everyone, it kind of sort of 
basically created this sort of wave of people knowing more about accessibility and are are aware of it. And I we're definitely now like that's kind of where we're at, where people are now aware of accessibility, and we're definitely seeing a lot more people interested in accessibility. And there are definitely games that are trying, and they actually have been for for years. Uh, I've I kind of used the example of Ubisoft. They have a wide variety of franchises, and every single game that they've released within the past few years has been an improvement over accessibility each time. Um, they generally try to be able to use the, roughly the same accessibility settings from one franchise to another, whether it's Assassin's Creed or Rainbow Six or The Division. They will always try to be able to uh, keep the accessibility options as cohesive as possible, and but then they also grow upon each other. And I will say that actually as of right now, Ubisoft is probably the closest to being able to create a, a game that is fully accessible to the blind just because they have options like large text, large icons, they have menu narration, uh, they have a nar uh, narration for a lot of uh, different aspects of the text within the, uh, within the gameplay itself, um, navigational assistance, or stuff like that that they've been adding over the past few years and they're probably i would say the closest to getting to that point where the last of us uh is or was this year steve what is you know uh, what was the driving force you know in in the last of us part two that that kind of pushed them over the edge to really make sure that game was accessible and and why why did it take so long uh i will say that like with with a lot of studios, and, and Naughty Dog, um, who created The Last of Us, is, is was kind of went into into this sort of process as well. Is that it always starts small? It always starts with they try to be able to kind of add in as as much as they can. But sometimes, if you don't sort of tackle it from the beginning of the development process, then it can be a little bit difficult to uh, to fix or add in later on. Uh, and they actually started really their accessibility journey in their previous uh, title, which was Uncharted Four: Thieves End. Uh, they added a few uh, accessibility options that were, at the time, actually kind of pushing the industry forward for accessibility and made people first aware of accessibility. So when they kind of they took that knowledge from working on that project, and when they started on The Last of Us, they started from the very beginning. They had a team uh, of executives that were really passionate about accessibility and wanted to be able to push it forward. And so by basically kind of making it a studio-wide initiative, they were able to create essentially 60 plus accessibility options in the game itself, not only just for those who are blind, but for those who are deaf and hard of hearing or those with motor disabilities. And they added so much in there that to kind of put in perspective, generally, whenever there's a game that comes out that does, that has at least a decent amount of accessibility options, you're looking at maybe about 20, maybe 25 on a really good game of, of accessibility options in the game itself. The fact that Last of Us has over 60 is a huge step forward uh, that was kind of that was sort of unseen or unheard of uh, in the industry uh, previously. So um, it kind of took a lot of people uh, by surprise, uh, me included, even, even though I got, I got a chance to consult with them and kind of help with it. I was still kind of like uh, blown away about what they were able to accomplish uh, for, for that game. Do you think that there's, um, because I've seen the community around accessibility and console gaming, I've seen that really grow lately. Um, I'm wondering how, developers are reacting to that you mentioned ubisoft and i i understand that epic and their unreal engine they're building in uh, accessibility framework you know so at the core because so many games use the unreal engine right is that is that mm -hmm. yeah so 
it's almost like um, you know something like WordPress on on a website. You know, if they build in accessibility on the core, then it's it's a big stepping stone into making websites accessible. If you build so, it, they will come. Exactly mm-hmm. right. There you go. <laughs> so, I'm just I understood wondering, that reference. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one that did. I'm just wondering how developers are reacting, other than Ubisoft and uh, Epic and Naughty Dog, because Naughty Dog are really outliers when it comes to, well, this sort of thing. Yeah, I will say that uh, I've kind of been privy to a few uh, conversations I've been having at a few studios, and a lot of them were having a long discussions about uh, The Last of Us and accessibility, and uh, some of you even said, like, wh- why don't we have this for this game? Um, and it's not to say that they, they kind of were like, they're now scrambling to catch up. They uh, There's definitely a few uh, studios that have been kind of in the, uh, in the forefront uh, of creating accessibility in their game, um, but again, it sort of takes, it takes time and it takes uh, effort from the very beginning. What's great about, uh, when you mentioned the Unreal Engine, about adding accessibility built in. What that does is it just makes it uh, a lot simpler and a lot easier for uh, for studios and for developers to integrate those into uh, the game themselves. Because a lot of times with when in game development, studios will have to use a game engine in order to be able to uh, basically get a game to run. And uh, right now, there are game engines that are being used by studios that are outdated. Uh, they weren't, th- th- accessibility wasn't thought of when they, when the engine was being created. Um, but with the beauty of, with the new uh, Unreal Engine from Epic, which is going to be Unreal 5, there, uh, I haven't heard, no, I don't know 100% for certain, but I have heard that oh, there do. is potential for more accessibility being built into that engine, which would mean that more games uh, within the next few years are going to be able to have not only just accessibility options, but hopefully a standard of accessibility options so that um, systems like the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X or S can be able to integrate uh, into those uh, into those standard accessibility options. Like, I use an example, uh, in the PlayStation PlayStation 5, there actually is a setting that's called game presets. And what that does is on a system level, you can set sort of a standard set of options that will automatically enable on PlayStation 5 games. For example, you can set the uh, a default di- uh, difficulty level. You can set subtitles to be turned on or off. You can set uh, controls to be inverted if you need to. And those will, like, when they're integrating it from a system level, whenever you open up a PlayStation 5 game currently, they will automatically just set those defaults to to whichever setting you set. So cool. more when more standards of accessibility can be added into uh, a game, then that means that that game presets option on the PlayStation 5 can be expanded upon so that when uh, disabled players, when they try to be able to play a game, when they boot up the game for the first time, they're not having to figure out where each of the same options that they normally would turn on, where they are in the menus, or if they are even are there, or at least yeah. it, it helps create once they start up the game for the first time, uh, that it will ho- hopefully be as accessible as possible right from the get-go. You know, I, I think a lot about... Um TV platforms, when I think about gaming in some ways, you know, I remember when the Amazon Fire Stick came out, you know, the, the accessibility was brought in through Voice View. And, you know, the system was fairly accessible and that was good, but then you would go into the third party apps, uh, the TV provider apps, and they weren't accessible. You would just hear Web View, Web View, Web View, and that was it. You couldn't really use it. So, you know, you were able to get into the house, but all the doors were locked, so you couldn't get into mm-hmm. any of the rooms. It was all very pointless. And it, it was no, no much, not much fun, really, as far as I was concerned. Uh, and the same feels, or feels that way t- to some extent with gameplay as well. So you buy your console, and now, of course, PlayStation 5 
has got accessibility features in it, and I want you to talk us through those. Uh, Xbox is the same. Uh, but again, we're in that position where it's all down to the games, the games being those third-party apps, if you like. And mm-hmm. we're still facing this issue where, you know, accessibility is good on some, but not all. I'm guessing you're a, you're feeling a bit more positive about it than I am. Yeah, I I will definitely I agree with you. There's I mean, with the amount of games that are coming out on pretty much a daily basis at this point, uh, it is still uh, the the percentage of games that are accessible, um, even accessible to the blind, are still rare. Um, but what's great though that I'm seeing because I I mostly work kind of on the uh, the larger games or the AAA kind of games, and because those are the ones that majority of uh, players will want to be able to play, and that's kind of where I focus uh, a lot on. And I do. I do see that there is a, a shift uh, towards making uh, games more accessible. Um, it's very rare now that I'll open up a, a large game that uh, that it doesn't have at least some accessibility options in it. So we are getting to the point where uh, I'm not having to argue. It's like, okay, you need to have accessibility options. Uh, now we get to kind of nitpick a little bit uh, of sort of what is in, in a game. Um, so it's getting better. And I know that pretty much, I would say every... Uh, at least every first-party studio at Xbox, um, or at least game or studios that create games specifically only for Xbox, they have an accessibility initiative. Uh, Sony uh, in their PlayStation studios um, have that, and uh, there uh, there is definitely settings being uh, shared from Naughty Dog to other PlayStation studios. So it the future is is bright for uh, av- having more accessibility in games. But as of right now, you're right; it just still. Um, it, it depends on kind of what game you're playing yeah. uh, to, that you could be able to tap into. But what's what's great, though, is that a lot of the games that you probably will want to play, uh, I would say, have at least some accessibility options that you might need some, like, sighted assistance if you need it or uh, yeah. just a, a little bit of help. But mm-hmm. um, there are at least there are better options than there were, <laughs> let's say, like five years ago. Steve, are there certain types of games that you want to be able to play? And on the same note... Are there types of games that just would not work with accessibility in mind? And I think of some of the high-speed games like, uh, you know, NHL or any of those, you know, even some of the the fast-driving games. I just, in my mind, I imagine that if they try to add description to that stuff, it's just not fast enough for anybody to react in time for it to make a difference in the gameplay. Yeah, I will say, uh, well... There's, there's certain things I'm, I, I can't say because of uh, NDA. So there, I will say this: there are you things can tell us. Come on, yeah, Well, in that case, then. don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that case, um, no. <laughs> so there are st- there are stuff being worked on. I, I do know that I can't say that that are for those type of games. Um, I would say the ones that kind of are still the tricky part for disabled players is mostly games that have a heavy multiplayer aspect. I, I think of yeah. uh, Call of Duty as an example. Um, because for right now, Call of Duty is one of those franchises that basically is usually the number one selling game of the year whenever a new Call of Duty comes out, which at this point is pretty much an annual release. Um, but the the accessibility options in those games generally are very, very minimal. Um, even still to this day with the most recent uh, Call of Duty Cold War, I haven't had a chance to sort of tap into full, it fully yet, but um, from what I understand, even just from the multiplayer side, it's really tricky for uh, disabled players. Um, and Mostly kind of comes down to uh, generally when you're playing 
not a lot of people will understand kind of like, oh, like, oh, this person's blind, uh, especially when you're kind of jumping into like a squad or, or a team of, uh, of, of other players. Uh, I'm, uh, let's say I, whenever I jump into those games, I constantly either have to let them know, Hey, by the way, I'm blind. Um, actually part of my gamer tag has the, has the word blind in it. So hopefully I don't have to explain every single time, but that don't is shoot the real me, I'm blind. Well. Pretty can you, much. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine an you know, enemy on your left? And by the time you get to your left enemy on your behind, I can just imagine the, the speed in which you'd have to try to, you know, compute that in your brain. But hang on, though. Isn't spatial audio a big part of this? I mean, it's not all about just oh, yeah, description, is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this before, Steve, and I know it's, it's come up in a number of conversations I've had with gamers over the years who've said, you know, audio is going to be king here, that the way that yes. spatial audio works, that it doesn't have to be a case of there's someone to your left or someone to your right. You'll get that through your headphones. Yes, actually, uh, both consoles uh, now have the capability to be able to enable 3D audio, um, which is something that's going to be a huge uh, boost for, for blind players. Uh, I've actually been able to play with, uh, on the PlayStation 5, they have the sort of Pulse 3D wireless headset, and uh, Sony went up, uh, was, was kind enough to be able to send me one of those to test out. And uh, I will say this, 3D audio is, is really, really good. Um, being able to tell when someone is behind me or in front of me or to the side uh, is is really key in order to be able to not only just note like spatial awareness as as you said but also just the immersion aspect of of being feel like that you're in the game itself uh which is going to be huge so yes in in those kind of games uh spatial audio will uh will help uh in that regard it doesn't really sort of uh fix everything because you have to essentially figure a way to build it like obviously turn your like your character around to be able to like see or or shoot someone that's behind you um so the speed of that is going to be definitely affected but um 3d audio will definitely help at least pinpoint where an enemy is instead of just sort of guessing where they are. Mm. Uh, I hate to be negative, Mr. Negative mm-hmm. over here, but you know I'm, I'm bringing up this because it comes up from one of our listeners who got in touch with us on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. He says, and this relates to the question, I guess, you know, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Um, he asks, this kayaker uh, who asked this question, he says, isn't buying a game console as a blind user like buying a Tesla as an iPhone charger? For what it can do accessibility-wise, it seems a bit pricey, and there are better, more accessible entertainment options out there. I find the analogy interesting, um, but um, I don't know. I, I guess I get his point, which is, you know, that, that there are other ways to play games, and, you know, a console offers you only so much as a blind user versus other options perhaps is, is where he's coming from yeah i i would agree to a certain amount about that um especially when like at least right now with the new uh, generation of consoles i will say that they are much better for accessibility than uh the previous version of of those consoles um but then that's kind of where i would lean towards um the xbox side of things than necessarily playstation um mainly because uh xbox with their new consoles they were very uh much like uh, they were wanted to be able to make it uh so that previous generation of, of console players will still be able to enjoy uh, the games and you don't necessarily have to upgrade to a new consoles. Like, for instance, uh, they made it sure uh, made sure that a lot of accessibility options and uh, accessories were still compatible with the new console. So like the Xbox Adaptive Controller, for example, they uh, that still works on the new uh, consoles. Uh, they uh, have a console right now, the Xbox Series S, which is cheaper than the Series X and is much more affordable 
um, as a as a new console. It doesn't have the, the all the same power as the Series X, but it still kind of delivers that similar experience uh, that is in the new console. So. You can be able to upgrade, uh, 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 like if you want to, if you feel like that uh, that you that you uh, have the expendable cash and you'd love to be able to kind of be on the new generation of consoles or, or gaming, you can. Um, but for right now, I, I generally would usually recommend Xbox because of the amount of care that is being taken into accessibility. They have not only just a, a, a ton of accessibility options built into the system, they have the adaptive controller. Um, they actually have an internal program called Gaming for Everyone that uh, there's a specific dedicated accessibility team that works within Xbox and their studios to uh, promote accessibility and champion accessibility in their, uh, in, their, in their games. And also they have like these internal accessibility guidelines that uh, a lot all their studios use, and it's also publicly available. That if other studios or other developers want to be able to try to be able to make games accessible, they have that available as well. But one of the beauties that not really a lot of people are talking about that Xbox has, and and you probably have heard about uh, Xbox Game Pass, um, which is a subscription service that they have, uh, where you pay a certain amount of uh, per month and you get access to over a hundred plus games on the Xbox platform, and you can be able to play this on either the console or PC or even now on an Android phone or tablet if you have it. And what's great about that is that first uh, you can be able to get access to not only a ton of different games that are available, um, but you will get access to uh, first party games. So whatever, like say the new Halo comes out on day one of that game coming out, you'll be able to get access to it on Game Pass and be able to play it the same day without having to spend $60 plus uh, on that particular game. And that's the, also another thing of what makes that accessible in that that essentially you have like a lot of uh, as disabled players you have to pay a lot of money to be able to get access to games or to be able to buy a game and you take it home you play it and about an hour later you realize oh i can't play this and then you were <laughs> you're not able to like return it really to at least get your full money back because you've already opened up the the, the box you've already installed it that kind of thing but what, yeah. what's beauty about game pass is that if you download a game and it's not accessible to you after like the first few hours or so delete. you can delete it <laughs> and, yeah, and install another really one good. and there's real no money lost and if you play at least about three or four games a year on Game Pass, you're pretty much already like you've yeah. already paid uh, for that uh, for those games alone just on the subscription service. Right, look, Steve, I've got to ask you the question that's, that everyone's probably wondering, and I certainly am. I know you got the PlayStation Five, and mm -hmm. uh, you were uh, you know very excited to talk about it on YouTube as you do. Um, I've, I've got to get the headline from you. How accessible is it, and what does that mean for someone low vision? I will say PlayStation actually did a really uh, amazing job with upgrading their uh, the PlayStation Five for uh, blind players. Previously, in the uh, on the PlayStation Four, uh, for for example, they had a text to uh, a speech option, which basically is the screen reader, uh, but it was only available in English and it was only really available in North America. Uh, but with the uh, with the upgrade to the PlayStation Five, they have the screen reader. Uh, that is actually uh, available in multiple languages and across the world. So already just in that alone is a huge upgrade for blind players. They have uh, large text, bold text. They have high contrast. Uh, this, even the screen reader works pretty much in all the media apps. So if you just want to be able to get it for being able to play like Disney Plus or Netflix on the PlayStation 5, oh, it'll cool. work on there as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And 3D audio, the haptic feedback on the controller. Uh, there's a lot of um, improvements for blind players that uh, is, is really, really awesome to be able to see. Okay, so take, take accessibility off the, off the plate for a second here. <gasps> 
Mm-hmm. In general, is there a difference other than, you know, first-party titles between these consoles anymore? Like, is there a point? Like, why do, why are people buying one over the other, other than games? Uh, I mean, it kind of really does still kind of go down to that. It's like what kind of yeah. games you, you really want to be able to play. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's a lot of games. Kind of, no, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but besides, uh, that. I, besides that, yeah, uh, I still say that probably if you're if you're trying to decide between one or the other, the way I sort of uh, like why I actually make the, uh, this decision when I first started out was that I just I look at all the games that are available for both consoles and I sort of uh, take away the ones that are available on both. And then I sort of see what games are left. And essentially those would be yeah. the exclusives for that system. And if I find that I have I like more games uh, or want to play more games on the PlayStation than I do Xbox, then I do PlayStation if, or and vice versa. So, yeah, you're right. There really is not much a huge difference anymore. Um, um, but at least even with the new consoles, there are a few things that kind of differentiate the two. But in reality, it's like that; those really only matter to, I guess, the uh, the hardcore, uh, like really like go- the gamers. But if you're into the kind of casual side, I would usually just say like, take a look at the games you want to play, find out which consoles they're uh, they're on, and uh, go with that. Now, do you have both? Do you get the the new Xbox as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. I have both. Uh, or just buy both. So, so put, <laughs> yeah. So it's because you have so much money and you obviously afford it all. I mean, no, actually, full full disclosure. Uh, full disclosure. Xbox and Sony did send me their consoles. Really? So, I was, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I was lucky with that one. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, the biggest differentiating. I mean, the biggest difference between these consoles and the last generation is we're in a solid state world. Speed is insane across the board. Um, mm. Is there anything else that stands out in terms of different, you know, different? Well, I, I want to ask him two? about the accessibility on the Xbox because I, I know that, that intrigues Sean mm-hmm. as well. Because narrator's on there, isn't it? So you've got mm-hmm. narrator, you've got screen. Do you still have the same kind of high contrast options, high tech, uh, large text options as well? Yeah, that's the beauty of uh, the Xbox. They basically took the exact same uh, ease of access options that were in the previous uh, consoles and and basically it refined them and improved them on uh, the Series X. So if you're comfortable with using those options uh, on the Xbox One, uh, they're all there on the uh, Xbox Series X or S. Nice. Okay, okay. This is going to sound like a stupid question because it's from me. But Good point. Is there any point of owning a console... If you're not into gaming, I mean, because now, no, Sounds listen, like a, no, yeah, no, I, I, okay, all right. no, it's good media now player. That, now that we have good, exact, now this is what I'm talking about, though. If we've got accessibility out of the box now on the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X and Series S, right? So, mm-hmm. what about the media options on the Xbox? I haven't looked at Xbox since the first one and the first Halo, but from what I understand, you know, ex, uh, uh, having accessible. Um, TV streaming, maybe, or access to media. Is there enough in a console now to and the accessibility level that it's at that it may be a good set-top box, even? Uh, I will say uh, it probably... Feel free to say no, that's an idiotic question, by the way. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. He's used uh, to it. It's a good question. I mean, I will say this, though. It probably is the most expensive Blu-ray player you could ever buy. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> As far as media apps, I probably would, uh, like, cause, yeah, it's definitely a couple, like, a, at least almost half a grand in order to be able to kind of get access if you're just looking at a streaming media top box. Worth and there it. are obviously much cheaper options uh, for that. 
Um, so that's why I probably would, in that case, if you're using it as for media only, uh, I will say the Xbox Series S may be your best bet. It doesn't have a disk drive, um, so you have to find at least a Blu-ray player to kind of handle that. But as far as like the subscription services like Disney+, Plus, Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, all those kind of apps, uh, the beauty of having those on, uh, on both consoles is that, yes, the accessibility, uh, the narrator, the magnifier is built into it that you can be able to utilize a lot easier uh, and... Uh, uh, they are definitely, uh, at least all the apps are, are, from what I've been able to, to sort of test out, um, are screen reader friendly. So you can be able to kind of uh, scroll through each of the media apps. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, that would probably be, the Series S would probably be your best option uh, out, of, out of the three new consoles but uh, for media. Yeah. But yeah, Steve, I'll, it's, help it's, you. I'll help you out here. I'm going to go back to Kayaker's question. Isn't buying a game console as a blind user like buying a Tesla as an iPhone charger? I think you could easily say that would be the answer to your question as well. Tesla you know, just get Apple TV and move yeah, on. Yeah, pretty much. It's a bit overkill. Okay. So, you know, reciprocally, you know, what about media players like Apple TV for gaming or even cloud gaming at this point? You know, are, are, is there a benefit there? Uh, yeah, actually, because what, what's great about the Apple platform is that they have a ton of amazing uh, games, and they're actually, and you kind of joked a little bit about earlier about the Apple Arcade, um, it actually is a pretty cool uh, service where they curate the games that are on it so that it'll work for on your phone, uh, your, iP- your, your iPad, or on Apple TV, and you can be able to play those games on a TV. All you need is the uh, just a Bluetooth uh, controller, so you can be able to get your Xbox controller, PlayStation controller, and it will connect to the Apple TV, and you can be able to utilize all the games that are on on that platform. So if you want, to, if you want a kind of a, a cheap way to be able to get in access to uh, to those games, um, Apple has a great ecosystem for uh, for gaming, and there's some amazing uh, games that are on there that uh, that you would not be able to see um, on on a console, essentially. Uh, so, are there though? I mean, you uh, know, yes, are we getting to the levels that's. I, I, th- I think it's just like it, it's it. There are some. Um, uh, I actually would say yes because uh, yes, some games do port over to consoles uh, after a while. But there are some unique experiences on uh, on the Apple uh, ecosystem that uh, I think you probably wouldn't be able to get on uh, on a console. And it's also really important to remind everybody that you know perspective is key here. That you know four percent of the world's blind can see nothing at all. That's ninety six percent of people with some level of vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's not a case of not everybody. I mean, I know that you and me, Sean, and, and you know, I, I guess yourself, Steve, to some degree as well, we're at that level where it's it's a bit more difficult. Uh, in some cases, maybe now on impossible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's not the case for everybody. There's lots of people out there who've got low vision, but has still enough. And, and even, for example, by adjusting color filters can make such a huge difference to gameplay. Um, you know, so there, and large text options as well. That's really useful. So it does seem like there's there's a lot of options out there. It, it does depend on the individual, of course, but it's good to know that the options are there for us. And even for people who are totally blind, you can still be able to use the PlayStation. So say, for example, there is one in the house. You might not play the games in it, but you might want to use it as a media streamer. Then you've got that option available to you as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Steve, if you want to... Um, See how I brought us all together in the end? Do you like how I did that? I brought that was us all beautiful. together. All beautiful. That was great. I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steve, where did we find you online? Uh, you can be able to find me uh, on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash snowball. Yes, that is my actual uh, URL. Uh, it's a long story. Uh, or you can be able to find me on Twitter at Steve Saylor. 
Well, Steve Snowball, thank you for your time <laughs> on this week's Double Tap. Cather, great to have you back on with us on Double Tap, and we'll catch you again soon. Steve Saylor. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This Thanks, is Steve. Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers, want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. Nothing makes the day better than a trumpet, I find. Anyway, speaking <laughs> of trumpets, uh, Sean Priest is still with us. Um, and <laughs> Trumpets are crumpets. <laughs> Well, he's the trumpet, you're the crumpet. Oh, there you go. Is that you. nice? Oh, beautiful. I think that was quite nice, actually. I mean, it was, it was hate-filled and love-filled all at the same time. So after an interview like that with, with Steve Saylor, um, what, what's your opinion on gaming now? You still don't care? Nah, I don't care. <laughs> Couldn't care less. Uh, but you know what? If, if it's for you, great. Look, I, oh. I, I'm, I'm open to the idea, at least discussion of it. Um, and I think you guys did a fantastic job of asking questions. Uh, do you know what? We almost sounded like a professional program this week with uh, Steve on. We need to maybe almost, do that more often. Don't throw it all the window the now. Penguins <laughs> in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> well, let's remind. Yeah, the choking the penguin in between or at the beginning Stop might not be. Stop choking. Choking. Yeah, 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 that's, Noising that's, is fine. Problem. No penguin was harmed. I've no got to say that. Uh, can um, I bring something up, guys? Yes, um, I wanted to bring up something that came out uh, came out uh, earlier this morning. Of course, depending no, not tech related, surely. No, 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 no. Depending on when you're listening to the show, but Apple has finally somewhat conceded in their App Store commission, whereas they used to take thirty percent off of any in-app purchase or any app purchase in general. Now they've updated their terms, and if you are a company that uh, is selling less than a million dollars in sales on the App Store, they're only going to take fifteen. I find it kind of funny because, you know, the big battle in the, in the newspaper these days is Epic versus Apple, the whole Fortnite debacle. And, of course, you know that they're definitely making more than a million dollars, so they're not going to benefit in any way, shape, or form. But this is interesting because it's going to make the little guys go, okay, this is a little bit of concession before the holidays. But the big boys are going to be like, yeah, thanks, guys. You did nothing for us. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I must admit, this is not a story I know a huge amount about. That may not shock you because it's game related, but <laughs> but I, I've been hearing bits about this story, and um, it, it might feel a, a little bit a little too late for some people. Um, so, no, yeah, I think that, it's I think it's a genius move. But let, let's let's be clear here. Tim Cook has said it's nothing to do with that. They're not conceding anything. You know, they they've well, said. That, well, yeah, they're going to say that. Of course, this is something we were thinking about doing years <laughs> For so ago, so many years ago. <laughs> but we look, were going to do this years ago. They decided so, to do it today. <laughs> any developer making uh, under a million, I think that's a that's a fair benchmark. That's got to affect. Few, yeah. The vast majority of developers out there, you know, and a fifteen percent cut of any um, any payment that they get—that's more money is, in your pocket, man. Uh, that's well, definitely e- exactly more money. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's much needed it's at this thing. point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, <clears throat> I've been buying this week. <clears throat> it's not going to shock you to learn. Uh, I've no. made it. I've made the decision. Uh, I was telling you last week. I wasn't sure where I was going to go around the whole Mac thing, but I've made my decision. And I've made my purchase, and it arrives with me tomorrow. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me go guess. on. Go on. Mac Mini. You are right. Why? Ooh. Why did you choose that one? Because I'm cheap. It is the lowest entry point <laughs> into the Mac world without spending too much money. I'm with you. And uh... it's, it's, so I thought that'll do me nicely. Now, uh, so, the yeah. benchmarks and the reviews so far, even though it's only been a couple of days, 
are absolutely blowing my mind. I can't possibly believe anything that I'm reading anymore. I like I they're saying that these computers, even in the MacBook Air, which has no fan whatsoever, are are surpassing any existing Mac on the market. And we're talking about like the Mac Pro. We're talking. I mean, like yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing benchmarks. And I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I must admit the Geekbench scores always kind of pass me by, but this has really caught my attention this time around. And you know, it's a bit like when you watch the news. You know, before twenty twenty, I kind of like just grazed on the news a bit. Now I'm like gorging on it. Um, I'm really in. <laughs> it's like the U.S. election when it was coming along. I knew nothing about U.S. politics, and suddenly I'm saying Arizona. We need Arizona. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I'll just keep saying it. Um, and it's it's like that with this as well. I, I think this is a really interesting score score that it's seeing. I mean, way surpassing everything. Even the one I've got, my 15 inch MacBook Pro 2019 model is blown out of the water by the base-level MacBook Air, which is incredible. It's so, insane, th- isn't it? And they're it saying is. battery life is like, you know, Marquez Brownlee had it for uh, for a week since they announced it, and he said he charged it once. Once, yeah. yeah was it four was days it. he had it on? Four yeah. days? And, he, did, and he, you know, he used it average, but, you know, he was trying to be real about it, and he got four days out of it, which is amazing. God, I'll be happy with the, a full day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, the, the Mac Mini probably is one of the lesser reviewed ones. People tend to sort of step away from the, the Mac Mini, not for any other reason than just because people think it's a development machine or it's for a server farm or a render farm or whatever else. I love it. Whereas I think it's a great entry point. And, you know, again, you know, to, to put the blind spin on it, it's a great device for blind people. If you don't, if you have no vision at all, why do you need a screen? Right? You exactly. need a keyboard. You don't need a mouse. You can save a fortune. <laughs> well, you take it out um, of the box, you grab a Bluetooth keyboard, and you're yeah, ready to go. There's a built-in speaker in the computer itself, in the Mac That's Mini. right, yeah. yeah. So, well, it's terrible, in fairness. But, yeah, I mean, it's oh, there. But no, no. I, actually, no, I don't think it is terrible. It's I've terrible. heard a lot It's a wasp worse. in a jar. Oh, you a don't wasp. know anything, sir. No, so when's terrible. yours turning I know nothing, up? but that's beside the point. Uh, but yes, I have bought one, and uh, I will be reviewing it on this program next <gasps> week. Oh. Because what I want to know, because everyone else is talking about the Geekbench scores, and everyone's just talking about how powerful it is, and yes, I will talk about that. But what I'm interested in is a little-known accessibility feature or bug, you decide, where when you go onto Safari, uh, you'll get the classic busy, busy, which what that means is, Mark, when you're mm. using a screen reader, mm-hmm. it's trying to catch up with itself. Oh, so instead okay. of doing anything, it just says busy, busy, busy. That's been a nightmare. It, hap- it blighted me on my Intel Core i9, fast as you can get, you know, 32 yeah. gig RAM. That's why I left MacBook. Mac. Yeah, and, and it me. still does it today, even on that. I even did it on a Mac Pro I tried in a store when uh, before before lockdown. Ridiculous. And, it is ridiculous, but I'm hoping this one might solve that problem. But I'm also just keen to see generally how voiceover works because it is it does add or requires a lot more of the system's resources in order to operate. How much does it take away? Now, I'm buying the base level. I'm buying the 8 gigabyte version, not the 16 gig. I'm not upgrading it. I'm just buying the base level Mac Mini. How will it perform next to my MacBook Pro 15? That's going to be an interesting comparison. Over the uh, next week, so you know, really I remember when I remember when the the first solid state Max came out, and I would go into an Apple store, and and the demo that the people, the Genius Bar people, were very excited to show you was going into the Applications folder, highlighting everything, and hitting open. <laughs> and they would, that, and yeah. of course, on those machines, you'd have everything from Photoshop. I mean, you name the program, and mm-hmm. it existed on these demo machines. And they were so amazed and blown away how fast everything opened. Now, there's a couple demos going around YouTube right now where people are doing exactly that. And 
if I thought the demo in store was impressive because all these windows popping up, you you blink and everything's open. There's no delay in any way, shape, or form with these apps launching. And one of the most impressive parts is just even with the most intensive apps, you're talking about, let's say, photo, like uh, Final Cut, for example, the such minimal effect on battery. Insane. Yeah. Insane. The, op- the optimized, uh, Marcus put it really well. He said it was, um, it sips the battery. And I like that. <laughs> that was yeah. a great way to describe it. Because it does, it, it doesn't eat the battery in the way that the other apps, the non-optimized apps that will be on your, your system will be. Whereas the optimized but- ones are going to be great. I, I watched Marquez's um, review as well, and one thing I thought was interesting, look, the performance has, I think, met the claims that Apple did during the keynote. Exceeded. Um, yeah, well, absolutely. Maybe, but then, you know, let's be clear, when he did the Final Cut Pro render, the test render that he did, it was slower on the M1 chip. It, it took 12 minutes, I think, and the other one on his normal Mac took 10 minutes or something. I did no, 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 that, he yeah. could be, hang on, uh, if I remember correctly, and I'll go, I'll go find the video now. He, it was only oh, slower than his Mac Pro, than the current generation Mac Pro. Ah, well, if that's the case, oh, well, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that really impressed me, yeah, if you want to fact check that, feel free. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't ask blind people to fact check videos. It doesn't work. I'll um, take your word for it. No, but yeah. the, the I thing thought that, that blew, as well, though. I did think that as well. The thing that blew my mind was that the um, using the Rosetta 2 emulation layer, um, some of the apps were working faster than normally than they would if they were running on just a you know a, a direct Intel um, chip, which I thought was absolutely amazing. These apps are being emulated now. He did say there are some, there may be some hiccups, may be some glitches. There was one app in particular that didn't run on the M1 chip, which should have. Um, but the fact that these are running faster than they would do on an Intel chip, and they're being emulated, mm-hmm. is amazing. So I think yeah, these are really impressive. Yeah, I, I, well, look, I'll tell you my experience of it next week. Um, oh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm you're you're right, Sean, by the way. It is, sorry, so the 16-inch 16, 16 Intel MacBook Pro, 10 minutes, 50 seconds, 13-inch M1, 12, uh, 12 minutes, 48 seconds, and then 7 minutes on a 28-core Mac Pro, which is yep. uh, which is what I have at home. Thank uh, you, Mark. And, but he did say... Just got a base level with, Mini. This is, <laughs> with, <laughs> this is with an unoptimized version of Final Cut. Yes. Yeah, the optimized true. version of Final Cut is not yet uh, available for the M1s. It will be out apparently this week. And it's still mind-blowing that it only took two minutes longer. And this is a new chip. And this is, mm-hmm. you know, again, the power uh, efficiency of it. That's Incredible. It. Yeah. Uh, look, final word before we go. I want to mention Apple News Plus uh, just as an aside here because I started using it as a result. I stopped laughing. I got this as part of my Apple One subscription. And I'm going to not lie to you guys. I thought a lot of these magazines wouldn't really be accessible you know because it felt as if some of the magazines that that my wife reads in particular they just look like scans of the actual magazine rather than being built Mm. for the app um what amazed me though is that even on what seemed to be a scan voiceover read everything and i've got to say that was pretty impressive and my wife got a bit emotional about it because she said you know i've not been able to read these magazines for years now she's able to get her ipad she's able to turn on voiceover and have these uh these magazines read out to her if you haven't if you've subscribed to apple one and you haven't touched the apple news plus side of it yet you've got to try it out because honestly the the magazines on there are mostly accessible i know you've come up with a couple that aren't quite as accessible image Sean, image but, image I yeah did, yes. well that's sadly if you're going to look at those kind of uh magazines <laughs> that's what you're going to get I just um, want images. 
Anyway, look, uh, that I didn't is those type of magazines were available on Apple News. <laughs> yeah, I think those should be audio described, actually. Just yeah. for me. That would be interesting. Anyway, that's it for our show this week. Thank you so much to Steve Saylor for joining us, the Blind Gamer. Do check out his stuff online. Uh, thank you to Sean Priest, Mark Aflalo, as always. And uh, we will be back here doing this again next week. Oh, Thanks, do guys. we have to? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Save Thanks the penguins. For and keep your feedback coming. Call 1 844 971 1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at Double Tap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.